0: To your Destiny podcast.
1: Okay, so I want to play this if the internet will work, and I also want to—a um, bit of shame if it doesn't. Um, so we've mentioned a few things, but what what is it that causes you to stray away from the rest of God? What what are what does unbelief look like? What is the practicality of unbelief? How does it affect us? That is the question. What does it look like? Maybe doing things in your own strength. So instead of maybe... Yeah. So... Um, relying on your own strength. Yeah. I'm just going to add to this. Okay. Um, knowledge. Okay. So on your own ability and your own understanding, knowledge, intellect, maybe is the better. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is what you can do in the body, isn't it? And this is what you think about. What did you say, Nicolae? No, it was correct, but I can't... I mean, not correct, but it was a good point. I can't remember. Come on. Past yeah, past experience. Really important. Rachel, your time is up. Um. We talked about one just before and you agreed passionately with it. (laughs) What are the emotions of unbelief? Fear. Yeah. Anything else? (laughs) Yeah, it's a clue. It's a clue you've not finished yet. There's a number of words that are like fear. There's a number of emotions that are like fear. Doubt. Doubt correct. It's it's like fear, but it's slightly different. What do we do? Mm, almost. I mean, this is not this is it and this is It, it can be any number of things, but... What do we do? What do we tend to do about things? It's got something on our mind? Yeah. We've got something on our mind, or yeah. we oh. something's not happening, or yeah, yes, no, yes, yes, anxiety. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, you're right. Worry, <laughs> panic is true. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to panic, but panic is absolutely horrible. Um, I mean, the really sad thing about this is. It's, it's all of these are absolutely so real. And, and not only are they real emotions, but it affects our physical body. I mean, you can persuade yourself within minutes that you're sick. And before you know it, you've got 20 more symptoms than you had when you started. And none of them are real. I mean, if you think, if you decided, you know, you've got a little lump and, you know, five minutes later, that means you've got cancer all over your body. Before you've even got five minutes down the line, you've got stomach ache and a headache and... Uh, and every other kind of ache, haven't you? Because the mind is just really powerful like that. And um, so, so this is, to me, what, what unbelief looks like. Um, unbelief isn't like a spiritual thing up in the sky that is kind of just hits you one day. It, 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 it's really real. And um, the, the interesting thing about, about these kind of... Um, events are, is, and there's this, i just like to show you these scriptures, because Jesus was not very sympathetic to people with unbelief, and he didn't, he, he didn't kind of, you know, just kind of, um, say, oh, it's just really difficult for you, isn't he? He, he rebuked them, and he said, don't do it, and you think, what do you mean don't do anxiety? It's like, you're being ridiculous. But actually, Jesus did say, don't worry. It's, it's actually a commandment. If you want to have commandments, and you know, it says, you know, Jesus says, go make disciples, teach them to obey. All these words I've spoken to you. Well, what are all the words He spoke to us? Well, one of the things he said to, to us is, don't worry. And it's like, what do you mean, don't worry? It's like... For many of us, we think worry comes upon us, and we don't have any choice about it. But according to Jesus, we do have a choice. Now, obviously, it's not as simple as that, because we're all of us are human beings, and we all have the opportunity, probably every day, to worry. But I think what I'm trying to say is, is rather than just say, oh, dear, I'm having a terrible day, I'm worrying... um, Recognise that that is what is going to lead to unbelief. That is going to start you not entering his rest, not remaining in his rest, and it is what is going to attack your faith like anything. So, so um, that that bit about don't worry is in Matthew six. Um, you know, and he, he says, uh, you know, look at the birds of the look at the the birds of the air, and uh, look at the. Um, lilies of the field. So I'll just read it to you. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. So that's, that's what Jesus said, do not worry. He didn't say, try your very best. I know it's really hard being a human being, um, but if you can possibly. He said, do not worry, which means there's a possibility of not worrying. Um, and to me, that's the fight of our faith. That, to me, that is, I'm going to contend today to remain in his rest. I am going to contend today to keep on persuading myself that he is good. And he is good and I'm going to live in the reality of that goodness. Worry doesn't have a part of that because all worrying is, is thinking about, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to have enough this. I'm not going to have that. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And that is not remaining in the goodness of God. That is leaving his, his rest. And Jesus said, don't do it. Just don't do it. So that means once you start it, stop it. Uh, <laughs> there's loads of ways to stop it. And usually it's having control of this mind and this heart. And and the good thing about our emotion is, because many of us have struggled with the issue of how can I stop feeling whatever? How can I stop feeling depressed? How can I stop feeling worried? How can I stop feeling anxious? Uh, and the fact of the matter is how you stop doing it is you change your mind. You repent. You change your mind. And that is actually biological, okay? So what it means is your brain connections in your head um, get stronger the more you use them. So the more your thought process is anxiety or depression or whatever it is, the more experience that pathway works in your mind. And actually, it changes you. If you look down the microscope, you can see the receptors on the cells get more, so that, so that it, it's, what's it called? I can't remember. It's called, called something technically. But it's real, okay? It is a real thing. And so it becomes easier. It's like the, the, the rut in the road. It just becomes easier. Whereas if you change your mind, if you force yourself to start thinking something else, then you, you can retrain your mind. And your emotion is a result of the way you think. You might not believe me. But it's just the truth. Most of us have thought our emotion causes us to think the way we do. So I wake up and I feel miserable, therefore I'm going to think miserable. It doesn't work like that. You are thinking miserable and your emotion follows your thinking. That is how it is. But because we have not lived a life in the spirit, we've lived a life in the soul, we've kind of given the soul this kind of power in our lives, which it doesn't really have. So it's the spirit. Our spirit man is supposed to dominate our lives. And so that's how it is. You repent and you change the way you think. You renew your mind. You, you, um, you think differently. And I've got a friend uh, in Hong Kong who, she's English. Um, she had a really, really severe depression. Sectioned ECT, every treatment she'd ever had. Couldn't get better eventually got to coping. So she got out of hospital and coping. And she was like, this is me. I'm melancholic. I'm a depressed kind of personality. This is my lot in life. I'm just going to have to deal with the fact that every day I feel miserable, and I'm just going to function. And um, she was taking, um, it's kind of this long term antidepressants and whatever. And she heard somebody talk about the fact that Depression is basically self-centeredness, and it's about the way you think, which is really tough if you're depressed, right? Because it's like, ooh, um, and she got completely offended by this guy's teaching, and um, really, really mad at mad at it, and she's like, and mad at God, saying God, you know, who, who, who does he think he is? He can just say that. He doesn't know what it feels like every day to wake up feeling as bad as I do and blah, 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 blah. And she just really got mad mad, and got really upset about it. And I'm not sure the whole story, but anyway, she ended up listening to this guy teach again. And um, he's really strong on, you know, you are what you think. And, and you change, if something is wrong, change the way you think. Uh, and a lot of us, if something is wrong, we wait till we feel better and then Things get better, but you can't wait till you feel better. You have to change some way you think, and then you will feel better. Anyway, she got it. She got this revelation that that is how we work. You know, that's how our bodies are made. And honestly, she got healed. She stopped the medication and she's healed. And um, I mean, she can tell the story, and she's walked it out for a number of years now. And I'm just really encouraged by her testimony because she couldn't get better. She just couldn't get better. And she's better. And it's, it's really wonderful. So so the reason why God says do not worry, Jesus said it's because it's possible to decide do not worry. Now, I know as well as you do that some days the worry becomes so overwhelming you cannot get out of it. And it's just like, it's horrible. It's just really horrible. and Or fear becomes so overwhelming that it just dominates your life. And that... That's not sin and a failure, okay? It's not. That's why we are community and that's why we, it, you know, Hebrews says, you know, en- encourage one another, you know, to remain in his rest. Um, so, you know, um, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin being unbelief, right? <laughs> Deceitfulness is the lies that we are believing. So, so it's like sometimes, you know, we have bad days. But the answer isn't, oh, poor old me, I'm having a bad day. I'm just an anxious person. The answer is this anxiety is not a part of me. Maybe there's a lie behind it. You know, maybe you go and get your sozo or whatever it is. Um, you, you, you recognize that is unbelief and I don't want that because that is preventing me from... Entering into the rest and living in the fullness. And as as brutal as that might sound, just saying they're there, poor old me, it's just going to be poor old you for the rest of your life, to be honest. And and I I don't want to live in fear for the rest of my life or anxiety or doubt or or whatever it is. And, And Jesus says, don't do it. So there has to be, he's not a cruel taskmaster. There has to be a way not to do it. So how do you not do it? keep control of this. And, and honestly, for me, sometimes, you know, the fear is like, or the worry is, you know, I, I had this, when, when I moved to Malaysia, Ruth and Timo rented my house for about 18 months. And it was such a dream because I was free because they basically paid my mortgage and I didn't have to worry about money. And then suddenly, well, suddenly to me, I don't know if it was suddenly to them, when I was in Malaysia, they just got in touch and said, we're moving out in two weeks time. <laughs> Cause they'd had to, that something had changed for them. And I'm like, ah, what do I do? I mean, it was hundreds of pounds a month, this mortgage and i had no income and no very little money. And honestly though, it hit me worst in worship. So it'd be like every day when I'm doing stuff, it was fine. But the minute I kind of stopped to to meditate on God or worship or that's when it's like, boom, you know, What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Your house is going to repossess. What's people going to think about you? What's your dad going to think about you? What, what this? What that? What's going to happen? Uh, what's going to happen when you've got no money? What's going to happen when you've got no house? How are you going to deal with this one? And it's just like on and on and on and on. And, and eventually I just had to talk to myself. I just had to literally say, shut up. Literally. I mean, sometimes we do have to talk to ourselves. Just shut up. God is good. He's in control and and speak to yourself, speak scripture to yourself, even more powerful. That's not, you know, it's like, sometimes it's like, right, and I'm going to say this until, um, because it's practicalities of it. We're we're not victims of any of these things. It's not poor old me. I'm just anxious or poor old me. I'm just a doubter. It's, we're not a victim. This is the battle of our, of our faith. So, the reason I just want to point out these, these four scriptures um, is because these are the four times in, in, uh, the, in the Gospels where Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. And we all kind of think, oh, but Jesus said little faith. That means sometimes we must have little faith. And these are the four areas where Jesus said to them little faith. So this is one of them. He says, don't worry about your life. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. So why do you worry about clothing? What what, 27, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Jesus is saying, it's just pointless, guys. Worrying doesn't achieve anything. So why do you worry about clothing? Um, Now, if God so clothes the grass of of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? What he's saying there is, this word is oligo. pistios or pistio. Oligo means underdeveloped. Okay, it doesn't mean a small amount, it means underdeveloped. So it's like, I was saying the other day, it's about your muscles. I can have the same amount of muscles as you, but mine can be underdeveloped. So I can't run a marathon and you might be able to run a marathon. So that's the meaning of that word. It's not little in quantity, it's little in quality. And if you're living in unbelief, then your faith is bombarded every day, and the quality of it is not... You're not living in the reality of your faith. You're living in the reality of your unbelief. So, so worry. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to make. One of the things that Jesus really identifies is worry, don't worry. Um, so, then, another time that he says of you, oh, you of little faith... Um, Okay, um, chapter 8, 23, Matthew twenty-eight, twenty-three. When he got into his boat, the disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. So the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. So Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and there's a storm. Because Jesus is remaining in rest, right? It's not, not, whether there's a storm or not a storm, it doesn't alter the fact that he'd already said to them, let's go to the other side. And um, God, he's just not finished with, he's, he's, he's not yet gone to the cross, so he can't die in the boat, can he? So it's, it's just not going to make any, any difference. So his disciples came to him and said, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you fearful, oh, you of little faith? So fear is one of the things that Jesus said, you know, why are you fearful? Um, okay, so I'm just flagging these up to you so that you're not persuaded that you've got a little faith it's not you've got a little faith, it's because you've got fear which is unbelief so it's, it's, it's the fact you've got unbelief rather than you haven't got faith and it's really good news that we've got faith you know because we just need a little bit of faith and we can we can move a mountain but if, if the problem is we don't have enough faith, we're stuck for the rest of our lives forever trying to climb this faith ladder of getting more faith and we never can and hopeless and horrible. But we can do something about our fear. And we can do something about our anxiety. And we can do something about our doubt. Because we just get to the root issue. We build up ourselves in our faith. We persuade ourselves of the goodness of God. We keep on meditating on whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is trustworthy. Okay, so uh, Matthew 14 31. I love this one. This is Peter walking on the water, right? And if you you still believe that God thinks that some of us have got little faith, this is one time when Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. He said it to Peter who just walked on water, right? I mean, if that's what little faith is, then... I'll take it that too yes but it's not that's not what it means uh so what it's what Peter said is you know Peter was walking on water and then he saw the waves so basically he turned his eyes and looked at the waves and and Jesus says why did you doubt and, and doubt is being double-minded it's it could be this or it could be that it could be this or it could be that and it's wavering between two opinions and James says says you know a, a a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't think he can receive anything from God. It's not because God is like punishing you because you've got doubt. It's just this is how this is how it works. This is how faith works. If you are wavering between two opinions, God heals, he doesn't heal. God heals, he doesn't heal. God heals, he doesn't heal. You, you can't. You, faith doesn't work like that. God is just showing us how it is. Because... That's not how it works. It just works with God heals. That's the end of the story. Full stop. Got nothing else to say about it. It's just what God says is what it, it is. And um, that's why Romans 4 says Abraham didn't waver in unbelief. He didn't look at his own body. He didn't look at the body of his wife who couldn't have children anymore. He didn't even look at it. He didn't consider those things. He only considered what God had said. And that's what the difference between faith faith and doubt, and, and and unbelief. Unbelief is keep looking at the circumstances, keep looking at the circumstances. There's giants in the land. The, the stronghold is too, you know, it's too strong. We're going to die. You're, you're going to send us in that land and we're going to die because you're really not that good God, are you? So Peter doubted. And then the last one is this, this little funny story about, you know, they'd just broken the... They'd just broken the the fed the four thousand and the five thousand and they got in the boat and they forgot to take the bread with them and Jesus says you know beware the leaven of the Pharisees and these guys are thinking it's your fault we didn't bring lunch you know Jesus is mad at us because we didn't bring the bread of course Jesus is not saying to them you know guys you didn't bring lunch again what he's saying to them is. Beware of the teaching of the Pharisees. But they're just kind of hearing God say something else. Uh, And um, this is the other time that Jesus says, uh, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you've brought no bread. Why are you thinking, you know, your own thinking? What is it? (laughs) Oh, the wind. (laughs) Okay. Okay. he says, why do you reason? So, so Jesus is just saying, you know, you, you, your thinking is so, you know, fixed on the things of this earth. You're thinking about lunch, you know. And, and yet I'm talking about something completely different. And, and, and that's sometimes for us. We're so fixed in our thinking or our own reasoning or this is how it is. You know, one plus two equals three. And that's how it is. And, you know, we're just so fixed. Okay, so that is my little summary of unbelief. And I think we all suffer from it. And, and these are the things, not, not seeing our faith work, it's not some kind of spiritual thing. It's not a black demon holding on to something. It's, it's practically real. We, we're just fearful. We just doubt. We, we're anxious or we worry. And, and there's really good news about those things because we don't have to live in any of it. But that's the battle of our faith. That is what we contend for. And that's why we have to persuade ourselves, encourage one another, keep going, um, you know, keep on realizing, I, I'm fearful today. Why am I fearful? And, and it has to be a lie. I mean, it has to be some kind of wrong belief about God. It's, it's that we're just not persuaded that he's as good as he is and he's done what he's done. So Um, Okay, let's see if I can get this to work, because he um, talks quite well about this. Does anyone know how to do it, or will it just happen? It's just audio, so. Magic? Okay. Okay. Um, this, this guy is a guy called Arthur Menchus, who's my current favorite preacher. And he's, he's halfway through. It's about 10 or 15 minutes this. But what he's talking about is his life as a pastor before he understood the grace of God. And, and he's just telling this story how he'd been to Bible school. He's a South African. He'd been to Bible school in America, gone back to South uh, Africa, built this really quite successful church and was miserable as anything. And, and he, just, he just hated life and he just couldn't, he just really got to the point where he'd taken his gun into his office at work and was going to kill himself. Okay, so that's where the story starts. Oh, because, um, I said,
0: "Well, you see, the here's the thing. Though, is, you know, when I gave, oh. when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There was no going back. No going back. If this doesn't work, then life's not worth living." And so I sat behind my desk and I thought to myself, "Well, before I do shoot myself, I can have it out with God." I was a believer. I didn't cuss. It wasn't wasn't who I was. I cussed God out like a sailor would be proud of. I mean, I used words I didn't even know was possible. I'd only ever heard people use those words. I I just, and I was mad. I was mad. I mean, if, if anybody saw me, they would have had me committed. No, I'm telling you, I was at the point of. Of losing my mind. And by the time I got to the end of it and I was tired and I was calmed down. This is what the Lord said. The Holy Spirit said, Arthur, you need to enter into my rest. People, I see. I, you, you think I was mad before? When the Holy Spirit said that to me, I literally came unglued. I took my Bible. I took. I ripped every book off my shelf. I. I mean, I was ranting and raving. I took my Bible. I threw it against the wall. It came apart in pieces, and I thought, "Oh my God, that's it. That I've I overstepped the line here." But here's the thing, though. I mean, immediately I thought, that's it, that's it. I I mean, I've lost my salvation. It's done. It's over. God's going to kill me right now. And you know, here's what I would have been happy if he did. I would have been happy if a lightning bolt hit me because at least something would have (laughs) happened. And finally, I calmed down again. And he said, Arthur, you need to enter into my rest. And all I could remember was... Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Amen. Can we go read it? Hallelujah. Is this okay for you? Hallelujah. Amen. Watch this now. I'll tell you what, I, I know that this can help somebody here. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3. Talks here about, and this is this is what the Lord said to me. He said to me, Arthur, you need to enter into my rest. That I, all I could think was, the people of God could not enter in because of unbelief. So, this is what I read. Now, listen to what the Amplified says. It says, uh, verse 18. Chapter 3, verse 18. It said, To whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed. You know, <laughs> disobeyed. What, what does that disobey mean? Who had not listened to his word, and who refused to be compliant or be persuaded? Boy, you gotta get this. See, because my idea of being disobedient was when I willfully just went and did opposite to what God wanted me to do. No, He says we become in the New Testament. You become. Disobedient when you refuse to be persuaded of the truth of the finished work of Christ. And and, and notice verse, verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to, to trust in, to rely on God. It says, Amplified. Unbelief had shut them out. And, this is, and I read it. And I mean, I'm angry with God. I said, God, what do you mean? I'm full of unbelief. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, we know Arthur. You're full of unbelief. The reason you can't have rest, you're full of unbelief. And God, I'm the man who's reading 25 chapters a day out of the Bible. I'm, I'm the man who spends hours in studying the Word. I'm the man who spends hours in prayer. And you're telling me that I'm full of unbelief? And the Lord said, yep. <laughs> and, but this is what he said to me. And I tell you what, if you can get this, maybe you've heard me say this before, but I, I, I always talk about it. He said to me, unbelief is not the inability to believe. It's when what you believe is owned. That's exactly what I did. This what? He says, Unbelief is not when you're not able to believe. Unbelief is when what you are believing is unbelief. Un- it means you're believing something. You see, guys, listen to this. There's not a person in this place, there's not a person in on the planet, there's not a human being on this planet that does not believe. You're created to be a believer. You believe. We all believe something. Are you getting it? We believe something. And what the Lord said, He said, the problem with you is, it's that what you're believing is upside down, inside out, wrong. It's just not true according to the finished work of Christ. You're believing something. And what you're believing is, your heart is filled with a belief that is un. And your unbelief shuts you out. That means the wrong belief that you have about God, about yourself, about the finished work of Christ, the finished work of the cross, if it doesn't line up with the finished work as displayed in the Gospels, revealed as we saw yesterday, Jesus is the one who came to reveal to us the Father, and we're talking here about one of the elements of this is the the goodness of God, you see? And I went back and I said, well, what made Israel to be full of unbelief? What is it that they did not believe about God or that they had wrong about God? Now, if you know the story, you Bible students here. The people of Israel were delivered by God through Moses out of Egypt. But they believed that God delivered them in order to punish them. Yeah, every time they came, we came to the Red Sea, when they, came, they cried out, Moses, why did you bring us here? I so God could kill us. Every time they had a problem in the wilderness, why did you bring us here, Moses? We could have been back in Egypt where we had food to eat, but now we're going to die here. Now God, and this is what the Lord said to me. He said to me, and he said, the reason they were full of unbelief and the reason they were shut out of my rest, they couldn't partake of what I had already given them. Come on now. They couldn't partake of the milk and honey. It's because they refused to believe that I want to be good to them. Man, i tell you something. And finally, I I I said, God, I believe you're good. He says, oh yeah. He says, you talk good. But do you believe in my goodness? Do you believe? that I am a good God. See, up until that point, I started realizing that I believed that God was capable of being good. Is this helping anybody here today? I started thinking, you know, this is a simple truth we're dealing with here. But let me tell you something, this is the foundational essence of the gospel. And if we as believers don't have this aspect, one of these aspects, we don't have it straight in our hearts. We are going to get ourselves into a pickle someday, and we're just going to accept that this is God punishing us for some reason. And we won't be trusting, and your unbelief will shut you out from your victory. Not God, not the devil, not other people, you, because of what you believe in your heart. He says, you you talk about me being a good God, you... Because for years I used to have, God is a good God, hallelujah, all the time. And it became a saying to me. But did I actually believe it? I realized that day I didn't. I had no clue. I I knew God could be good if he wanted to be. But I wasn't even sure if he wanted to be. Amen. So what I did was, I started studying this. Go with me there and let's start Psalm 34. Psalm 34. You know, if there was anybody who had a revelation of the goodness of God, David did. You know, David, I don't know about you, but all of my Christian life up until that particular time when I had this experience with God, I just assumed and knew and was taught that David was just this exemplary man of God. Amen. Well, because, because 99% of people, when you talk about David, say, oh, yes, David was a man after God's own heart. Amen, you know. And so my idea was that David was a man that God looked at and said, boy, what a man after my heart. I'm just so impressed with David. You know, until I, I went and looked at David. David says here, he says, I, like, I like what he says. Psalm 34, verse 7. He says, oh boy, I guess I need to get there too. <laughs> 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. You know, David, you think about David's life. You think about what David did. Where he, Now, he was, he, was, he was quite an impressive young man. But David, in his walk, in his, in his reign as a king, I mean, he committed murder. He committed adultery. It's a death sentence. He, he'd committed murder because he didn't go with his troops to, to the battlefield. He stayed at home and stayed on the roof of the palace checking out all the UFOs, all the unidentified female objects.
1: It's like it's such a gentle, like, little bit of South African in his accent, but it's not like, I don't know, I don't know why, it's a real shame, because there's only two more minutes, and it's like, bad female. like
0: And he got into trouble Committed adultery Then when he realized he's not gonna get out of this he kills Bathsheba's husband. Death sentence. The prophet comes to him. The prophet tells him the story about the rich man, poor man, little lamb. You know the story? David gets so mad in his self-righteousness. He says, that man has to die. The prophet says, you're the man. You're the man. Just, Just think about David's personal life. Not one of his children turned out good, including Solomon. Solomon, at the end of his days, built temples unto idols. He was an idol worshiper. One of David's sons raped one of David's daughters, raped his own sister, incest in his family. Boy, what a man of God. Come on, man. I asked over one day, I said, God, how could you see? <laughs> when, I, when I looked at that, when, when I saw that for the first time and I realized the, the, the gravity of David's life and what he did, and I said, God, if there's a place for David, there's a place for me. Amen. I thank God. If there's a place for David, man, you know, I, I haven't done anything he's done yet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's true. Because, you know, listen, I I know that some of us as Christians, there was a time in my I just can't understand. I'll just never do that. Don't ever say you'll never do that. You know why? Because given the right circumstances, right timing, right place, right people, right environment, you're liable to do anything. By the grace of God. Amen? Now, listen to this. This is what the Lord said to me. He said to me, David was a man after, the Bible says he was a man after God's own
1: Interesting, isn't it? Uh, especially in line with what Andy was talking about earlier on. So, um, that's you to thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.